I'm so popular. Last week on the show, we discussed the incredible, prescient J-drama series, Common Rider Ryuki. It's an episode I really love. I highly recommend it. But today, for the fourth time, we are continuing my annual tradition of birthday episodes with an I'm so popular mainstay and one of my dearest friends to um, bring in year 27 of my life. But who are you? I am... Natalie, and just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I share a birthday with you. And same with Kate Bush, as we mentioned last time. Oh, Did yeah. you ever listen to that song I recommended you? Probably not. <laughs> what are you doing, Natalie? Last time we checked in with you, you had taken the bar and were awaiting your results. Uh, I passed. Thank you. <gasps> thank you. Yes. Congratulations. And now I'm an attorney. Um, well, yeah, now I'm an attorney and I realized, you know, I got to the mountaintop and I, everything I've worked for, for the past many, many years, all of the resources I've spent, all the time it's taken to get here. And I said, it was completely worth it. Yep. (laughs) 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 said, wow, I don't feel any different. It feels the same everything is the same and i still just want to be a stay-at-home wife (laughs) with someone who loves me and a couple more dogs well this is a fascinating thread let's pull on this in a moment um i have to ask you first though this is the fourth time we've done this i haven't seen you in person for um over five years now natalie but we're still here why on earth are we still friends I think we have, um, I just, uh, I think we've talked about this before. I think I've also mentioned that we're trauma bonded. Trauma bonded. We say it every episode now. When you do this four times, we just start repeating ourselves, but it's cute. Right, right. Um, I think we're trauma bonded, but we also share a birthday connection. A birthday. (laughs) And like, what more could you. I feel like if you share a birthday with someone, like, that's it, you know? We're, t- like, a twin. Like, you know how twins are connected? It's like we're connected. Very true. But I also feel like it's funny because I can say this about a few people, but every time we start talking, it's, we are on the same page. Nothing has changed. I yeah. think that might be perhaps a Leo quality, which is that mm. I have a fundamental core of myself that is unalterable. And so <laughs> other people change around me and I get lost in how right. to communicate with them. But... Yeah. You and I are made out of concrete at our most inner base. Fair. Yes. I like that. That makes sense to me. But I, I mean, like it I have, doesn't... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Tell me. I, tell just, me. I feel like I, I have the ability to, like, revert to a younger self at any moment. Like, if I hang out with my... My card just turned itself off. One Cute. moment. I guess it only... St- 
stays on for an hour. <laughs> and then turn without off. driving. <laughs> One moment. Winona Ryder is warming up. Is that her name? Yeah. But it's R-I-D-E. Oh, okay. You know to ride her. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm back. Okay, here we are. Well, um, um... Yeah, okay. So you said you can revert to a childhood self very easily. Tell me more about that. Or just, like, any earlier, younger version of myself. So, like, if I am hanging out with someone from middle school, like, I am in middle school again, and all we talk about is Lady Gaga, Starstruck, and... <laughs> <laughs> And um, the stupid shit that people that we know from middle school are doing today. Like having Love babies. that. Ooh. I want a baby. Um, yeah, but it's funny because I also have a quality that I've come to terms with over the past year that there's a very useful Japanese word for this, and it's a chunibyo. Chunibyo. And it means... Um, having the sickness of being a second year junior high school student. It basically means <laughs> that you are so emotional that you may as well be pubescent again. And wow, uh, that's beautiful. I think I, I think I get that really easily. I get carried away emotionally. I latch on without any like a little sea urchin. Fail safes. I just yeah, I'm I'm a sea urchin chunibyo pubescent little boy, I guess. So yeah. yeah. Um I can revert to that, or I might always be in it. But I do think my perspective and my general ethos towards life is mostly unaltered, with a few exceptions. How would you describe that ethos? Well, I guess that's kind of what the whole purpose of the show is right now, is I'm, like, uh, trying to explicitly define what Mm -hmm. it is that makes me want to fight to survive and stay alive, because... Over the past few months, you know, things have been kind of dark and unfortunate, and I thought I had a really sturdy support beam in my philosophy about finding beauty and monotony and the casual Mm -hmm. glory of everyday life, but sometimes it's not enough, and so now I'm kind of searching out my reason to fight to stick around. You get a well, all of this, all of this is to say, is that we are older now. Um, the first time we did this, I was, I think I did the math, and I was actually okay. So I moved to Japan when I was twenty-two. I started the podcast yeah. when I was twenty-two, going on twenty-three. So that was five years ago, and now I'm turning twenty-seven. Time is accelerating every year, and. I'm really curious to find out about what you learned in your yeah. year 27, because I'm about to embark on it, and my year 26 was really disastrous, so. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah, that is wild to think about, that we have literally, like, gone through our mid-20s on this podcast. I have known you since I was 19. Yeah, an infant. Actually, yeah, 19. Right? Okay. Because I met you... Sophomore. Sophomore year. Yeah, so it must have been 19. But on this podcast specifically, we've, like, we've discussed, like, okay, how do I feel about being in my mid-20s? Now I'm going into the second half. And now I feel like I'm almost fucking 30 years old. Like, 28? My You're close. 30. I'm close. And my best friend is turning 30 in January. Like, mm-hmm. what? Um... I think that 
my 27th year. I kind of alluded to this earlier. And I don't remember when. Maybe it was a Patreon. Maybe it was now. But the whole idea of like being, oh, yeah, I made it to the mountaintop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that my career is not everything. Mm-hmm. And that no matter what I'm doing, I mean, nothing's really like, I don't know. Life is still life. It's still me just going somewhere, doing something for a period of time and then leaving that place. <laughs> and what I've realized is no matter what that is, whether it's law school, whether it's working at McDonald's, whether it's being a lawyer, is that I want to come home to like someone that I really enjoy right now with my roommate. She's great. But I lived alone for a long time. Many years. Not really. Maybe a year-ish. Um, <laughs> and I was sad. I live alone. Home. It is sad. And nothing. Even having a dog. And we are not meant to live alone. We are meant to live in communities. Yes, where... I was about to ask you, because oh. you were like, I want to, you know, be a lawyer. I want to make this professional woman of myself and mean something and impart change on the world. You know, these are all things I've heard from you for almost a decade. And so then you get there and you're not quite satisfied. So I was going to ask you, what do you want? But I mean, you kind of already answered it. You want like some love and domesticity domesticity and just like support like i i don't know it's been again really nice moving in with my roommate again because we it's just like oh my god she made me dinner so we're currently dinks which is dual income no children household yeah but you're in your 20s but still dual i'm almost 30 yeah, but I feel like a dual income. It's still dual income, no children. Like okay, for instance, my let me see. My mom had me in her late, like her mid to late thirties. Yeah. And she got married to my dad only about two years before me. Just time. Yeah, I know. But then also at the same time, I think about it, and there's not all that much because. Um, <laughs> Because, okay, if my mom got married at 34 or whatever, that's, like, yeah. seven years away. That is... Seven years ago, I was... I was a sophomore in college, and that was, like, yeah. pretty recent. Like, it's, like, picking up pace. That was, like, yesterday. Oh, my God. My mother's so embarrassing. She just walked by my door and held a banana to her face and said, call me. That's cute. She loves you. <laughs> she does. Um... So, okay, bananas, what were we talking about? Being loved? (laughs) Yeah, and finding satisfaction in the... Being 34, slash having children, slash my, my mother had me when she was 28. So turning 28 is also kind of a very weird thing for me. Oh my goodness, that would be... Right? Like, this is the year that she had... And they were married. This is the weirdest thing that I've ever heard. And I tell 
my dad this every day, every chance that I get. They got married on my father's 21st birthday. Wow. Can you imagine having your 21er being your fucking wedding? My 21er, I like passed <laughs> out on a lawn in a tiara. Exactly. <laughs> I wasn't getting fucking married, but now I want to be. Okay, so 34 is a funny age because, um, you know, someone I really care about and like would like to spend more of my life with is also 34. Oh. Um, and it's like, to be honest, like I do want to be older and I like myself more each year. You know, I find mm-hmm. new things yeah. and even if the exterior struggles are harder, I feel like each year I am becoming more steadfast and certain. Like, I, I said that Leos all have, like, that concrete core, but, like, my yeah. concrete core gets more solid with each passing year. But at the same time, it's, like, I do kind of wish that I had a more traditional lifestyle right now. I wish that I was, like, on the track to get married and, like, have kids. Yeah. And I wish my career yep. was more certain and I wasn't, like, doing, like, a low-income, like, stupid, you know, whatever. And it's, like... I wish that my, like, art was, like, more pronounced and successful, and, um, every year you get a little older, and your 20s, like, start to, like, fade out, you kind of, like, feel like you're, like, losing time, and some of it's been squandered, okay. and it's, it's okay. sad to think about that a little bit. A lot of it, yeah. A big but bit. what's 27 times 2? 54? <clears throat> yeah. No, I think it's... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I feel like I know so many people who are 54 and, like, still seem, like, you know, like my mom. I mean, there's a 48-year-old going to my birthday party tomorrow. Right. Like, they're fun and they're still doing things. And that's literally double our entire yeah. life. That's a good thing to use for perspective. Being zero years old since being an infant. That's a lot of fucking time. Yeah, and also, when I was, like, a baby until, like, middle school, I wasn't, like, cognizant of being a human. I was just, like, stumbling through the world in a dreamscape, I guess. So, Mm. you know, realistically, I guess I've been, like, a conscious person for maybe... Yeah. To be charitable 17 years now. (laughs) But I came out of the closet when I was 14, so that was 13 years ago. Yeah. That's when I became human and not just, like, <laughs> wandering, human. like, brain mass, like, quoting iCarly and, like, being strange. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I feel like there's time, but I also hate that phrase. Like, well, there's still time. I don't like how we think about time. There's something, um, I don't know if, I'm curious how they phrase time in Japan, but I was listening I don't know, or reading or doing something. I consumed a source of a, a medium that explained mm-hmm. to me that how we describe time in the English la- language has changed over time. Um, we used to say passing time. Like, how are you passing the time? Now mm. it's how are you spending the time? Spending, because it's been turned in some kind of, uh, like... I mean... I don't want to say commercialized, but I mean, you, time is money mm. now. It didn't used to be. It didn't used to be that literally how many hours a day you spent doing something is how much you were 
paid. Well, human beings also didn't used to be instantly accessible all the time. It used to be that if you weren't in the house, you could not be easily contacted. Can you imagine? Yeah, I know. It's like recently I, I even thought about like getting rid of my smartphone and like getting like a flip phone, but I was like, ooh, I need a GPS and I need my line app. And I was like, ooh, wait, I like need my music. I'm like, oh, ooh, never mind. But it's like, I do yeah. like wish. Like, I feel yeah. so cursed by text messages lately. Like, I mm. hate the idea of red receipts and, like, mm-hmm. who viewed your story. I would prefer not to know. I don't want to know yeah. these things, but I don't have the impulse control to stop myself from, like, manically checking. Can you imagine? If, if we didn't have that, you just had to call someone to make plans? But also, can you imagine? Yes, that would be incredible. But also, going back... Thinking about yourself as that Mm 14-year-old and those years before that, especially, like, middle school, imagine having access to all of that, having Instagram and TikTok and all of this. These kids, no wonder they're all so fucked up. No wonder we're so fucked up. We got it a little bit later in life, at least, but, oh, my God. I don't know what to think about Zoomers because I interact with so few of them. <laughs> like, I, like, don't talk to them mostly. Like, I had to talk yeah. to them at work sometimes, and I'm like, you are brain sick. Like, yeah. something has catastrophically misfired, and now you have no social skills. Um, but I have one 20-year-old friend who's very articulate, but I think he kind of escaped the TikTok tornado because he's, like, really into, like, art movies. He really wants to be a director. So he spends all of his time, like, doing Zoomer behavior, but for that. But mm-hmm. I do feel bad for them, and I'm worried for them. Because when I think about how insane I get over a red receipt... Right. Right. How, how bad must it be for them? And people are like, oh, well, they mask it with an like, irony, and they have, like, um, nihilist mm-hmm. humor that helps them cope. And I'm like, that sounds even worse. <laughs> they have Rick and Morty. They have Yeah. Yeah. So I, how did we get to this topic? Social media. I mean, it's social media. Spending time. Spending time. Yeah. Spending time. I mean, that's, that was the point I was trying to make is, is it's like our time is so monopolized because anyone can, anyone, you know, who's like vaguely connected with you can access you at any moment. And it's like holding you hostage. And it used to be like more mutual. And it's just like, we Mm. kind of like live in a state of permanent, like cyber molestation where we're just like at the whims of other people permanently. And, Mm. um, it's a little, it gets worse every year. It wasn't even like this when we were in college. I feel like. Because there used to be, like, Facebook invites. Like, if you wanted to, you know, you used to, like, invite people on Facebook. Getting older just means reminiscing about the past, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Oh, God, yeah. Now we're that. Well, back in my day. It's true. We're there. Back in my day. Things mm-hmm. happened. They were different. Um... So, is there... How How is it? Is it set, like, whoa. In Japanese, is it... Is the translation oh, yeah. spending time or is it different? Uh, no, you uh, time passes. You say like sugiru, mm. which is like to pass. It can also mean too much if you, depending on how you you use it. But uh, or like it passes you, it kind of flows. I guess. Yeah. I don't, Do you I don't feel think like time is treated differently in Japan? 
People are very respectful of time. Japanese people, they will show up, you know, when they're asked to. And um, I feel like they do understand that, that time is correlated with effort because、mm. the idea of your physical presence in an office space is demanded. And they want you to be there later and just like be physically there as like a token.、Mm. So there's a kind of a symbolist sort of idea about time, I think. But.、Um, I don't think it has anything necessarily to do with the idea of spending it necessarily. It's more like、right. earning it or like using it to prove.、Um, time is valuable and important,、yeah. but you use it as a sign or a marker to. Right.、Um, yeah, that kind of thing. To show what you're prioritizing. Right. And I, I honestly, I really do think Japanese people do that. Like, they specifically will like, choose to hang out with you know, certain people as like a time marketer, you know. Hmm. I watched a TED talk once that. Oh, what? Just once. <laughs> that、um, I, this woman was saying how, like, we always talk about how we don't have time for this or for that. And she broke down how many hours are actually in a day. And I think it's like a hundred. No, in a week. Sorry, in a day. <laughs> it's a hundred hours. She told me for、day. the first time how many hours are in a day. In a week. I think it's like 168 hours or something like that. And then、mm. if you subtract. You know, eight hours a day or however many you sleep. And then also a 40 hour work week, there's still like so many fucking hours. And you're like, whoa, what do I do with all of those?、Um, and it is kind of the idea of like, okay, well, like, it's not you that you don't have enough time, it's that you're not prioritizing that thing. Because if I asked you to drop everything that you're doing, And clean your house, you would say, I just don't have the time. But if I asked you to drop everything that you're doing, clean your house, and I'll pay you $10 million, like you'd find the time. You'd find it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, because that's kind of also part of like the value mindset about time is、right. money, because it's like, oh, you have to use your time to like prioritize like activities for your own permanent self improvement. And I'm a big fan of the philosopher Foucault who talks about the idea of the creation and the artistic cultivation of the self. And his idea is that you like spend time like lavishing in extracurricular loves and joys that you have and improving the self like intellectually, but not cultivating yourself in terms of like capitalist work responsibilities.、Mm-hmm. He believes in civic duty, but not necessarily like a laborial one. And It's like、He、I do. He dreams not of labor. Correct. And I mean, I feel like I waste a lot of time also due to like Zoomer mentality where it's like, oh, like I just had like a horrible day at the office. Like I want to like not use my brain and have like someone just like talk about media or like prattle on about like something in my ear、mm. on YouTube. And it's like a disgusting habit. And I like, lay down.、Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I hate it. But at the same time, I also, it's like I do want to be like pastoral and lay about and like not think that much about the passage of time. And if I'm like, oh, I'm like not spending enough time on my book or like my poem, like I don't need that either. There's a difficult balance to strike there. Yeah.、Mm. Mm. It must be hard with you. I feel like your job is, must be very time consuming. Incredibly.、Um, but more. Than anything, because right now I drive、um, almost an hour each way to work.、Mm-hmm. 
three to four days a week. Um, I'm driving to Salem from Portland. And I spend a lot of time in the car. And at that time, you know, I, 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 I have my podcasts that I catch up on, that I listen to, that I enjoy. But I can't help but think as I'm sitting in my car, like, oh, I could, like, you know, people who quote unquote have their life together, I could have, you know, just picked up groceries or I could have you know, went, gone to the gym or done something worth my time. I keep using like, the gym is a, is a waste of time, by the way. (laughs) And how do I get skinny? (laughs) By not eating. Okay. I'll try that. Um, but I, it just, I feel, I feel so much like time is wasted. And then also with my job, I'm like, wow, I really have a lot of shit to do. If only I could be doing that instead of driving. But starting in September, I'll only have to be going in the office like once a week as opposed to three to four times a week. So that will be a lot nicer. I'll get to actually stay either work from home or I'm going to try and go into the Portland office downtown and be a little downtown girl for a bit. I have to ride the train to work every day and I read on the train. I don't know if I could. I'm, I might be able to read on a train. I cannot read in a car. You can't read in a car. and I, I, I get sick. I feel like audiobooks are okay if you're like listening to like a celebrity like memoir, but if you're like reading like serious <laughs> like fiction or something, it's like... Yeah. I don't think you should be like listening to like Sons and Lovers on like audiobook, you know? So it's like I feel fortunate that Tokyo has like such a beautiful metropolitan transit Uh, system that's like so stress-free and i just like i show up and i like don't get like assaulted or spat on or harassed no one shoves you into the in front of the train no i mean that doesn't happen on my my line because i i ride a less populated train line if you take like Mm. yamanote in the mornings that could happen to you but i only Mm. get sardined uh like maybe two or three times a week Oh, I don't like that. No, I like sardine I, days because then I put my a podcast and I play a game on my phone. <laughs> oh, okay. That does sound nice. Sardine in the train, not getting on the train. Both? Uh, getting in and when you're in. So basically what they do is on mm-hmm. some of the busy trains, they have people pushers yeah. to like make sure everyone's like in the train. I've, I I don't have that like, that actually? often. Like, do they pay yeah. people to push people? They're like station they staff work, who does that. They work, they're employees. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. They probably have lots of other responsibilities. They're not just, like, people pushers. They're probably, like, station managers <laughs> and stuff. But, yeah, like... Right. No, but it's, like, I'm thankful that I have that time on the fucking train where I just... It's, like, the most inconvenient thing is, like, people getting in my way or, like, not standing correctly. And, like, that's all I have to worry about. What is your train ride? Length. What is it? How long? Okay, so... Door-to-door, it's about 40 minutes to my office. I walk 10 minutes to the station, and then... I ride for about 22 minutes on that line. I transfer once for a one-minute ride, and then it's about 10 oh. minutes from my office on the other side. Hmm. Okay. So I recently bought a new car specifically <laughs> so that it was that it mostly drives itself. Does it do that? Yes. Game changer. What do you mean? I mean... <laughs> 
How does it drive it, itself? You like press a button and it's like car on. Well, yeah, I do have a power push to start button in the car, but um, no, I have you click. Well, it's cruise control, and when you turn the cruise control on, there's also lane keeping assist or something like that, and so it has cameras on the side of the car that look at the line. It can see the lines, and so it perfectly puts the car between the two lines um so it won't go and like even if i'm going on a turn it'll follow the lines and then it also has what's called adaptive cruise control which means that i can set it at you know 70 miles an hour and then i mean sorry 65 that's the speed limit in oregon (laughs) i set it at 65 miles an hour (laughs) and if someone in front of me slows down I can choose how many car lengths I want to stay behind that car. So normally I do two because that's the law. Okay, so that doesn't this my, make you like complacent? Um, a little bit, but that's why the robot drives. Okay, I but, want like, to be complacent. But what happens if there's an emergency to... and you're like you're complacent, you're like thinking and like looking around and then like, oops. Well, the car. Even if there is an emergency, the car is going to react faster <laughs> than I am, and it'll stop itself. And it'll move out of the way, too. I would like not it. trust a bunch of numbers to, like, maneuver out of the way of an oncoming vehicle. You know what's sad is that I trust them more than I trust myself. Are you a I horrible driver? Them. So I have pretty... It's undiagnosed, but I think I have pretty severe ADHD, which means I can't do one thing for too long. The guy I'm seeing and, thinks I have ADHD as well, so we're all in the same boat. It's a Leo right. thing. Right. I mean, who... Yeah, that's probably true. Who among <laughs> us doesn't have ADHD? Um, And so I just can't... I don't do well sitting, and I get distracted, and like, what, am I going to put my phone in the back of the car so I don't... Especially my work phone. Like, I'm sorry, I'm still getting emails, I'm still getting calls, mm-hmm. and I pick up a call. I don't know. It's just, you know, I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm a bad driver, but I would say that I am an easily distracted driver, which makes me a dangerous driver. <laughs> okay, well, those all go together into a neat little <laughs> meat pie, so <laughs> woohoo. Have you been in an accident before? Oh, yeah. How was that for you? It's really stressful. But I don't think the last one, I mean, it was kind of my fault, but I don't think it was that much my fault because I think it was also weather related. I slammed on my brakes and the car slammed on its brakes too. But, um, but she went boop right into the back of someone's butt. And whose fault was it? Not a person. I think it was the rain. So I'm going to blame climate change. So who had to pay? Oh, me. (laughs) So it was your fault. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, did you have any... Okay, did you come into contact with your mortality at all in the last year? We've been talking a lot about, like, the passage of time and how things have changed, but was there anything in year 27 for you where you felt especially, like, associated with death? That's a good question. Not... not I mean, I feel like... Had a lot of people I know from high school die recently, which is kind of strange. I had a lot of people like that the last few years too. Yeah, but other than that, I don't think so. I think my 
con- connection, lack thereof. I don't know. My my thoughts around death have have decreased as the pandemic has moved farther away. I think I was thinking about death a lot more during the pandemic than I. I mean, we were instructed by the media to think about nothing but death for years. Right. Right. Like death was um, the subterranean idea that kept like poking its nasty spikes out of the sewer gates, and we just had to live in the quarantine world where we were just like surrounded by ideas of death. So that makes lots of sense to me. What about you? Have you had any? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I got into, like, a little bit of trouble when I got, um, like, assaulted at a bar by a drunk guy, and I got knocked out, and I lost consciousness, Mm -hmm. and when that happened, I did think a lot about death, and it really rattled me for, like, a month or two. Yeah. Because, have you ever been, like, knocked out before? I have received a concussion so severe that I blacked out, but I don't believe I I didn't, wasn't unconscious at any point. Yeah, I was unconscious. I got knocked out. I got a concussion is the final report on the matter. And, like, when that happened, it, like, you really do kind of feel like you died. And then, like, you mm. wake up and you're like, what the hell? In a different place. Yeah. Did yeah, you wake up in so- the hospital? No, I woke up about, like, I was very lucky. It was about a minute later. Okay. So I didn't get any brain damage or anything, contrary to popular belief. But, like, it is really strange to, like, have, like, a minute of your life that was, like, struck out of you. And then Mm -hmm. you were in the void and had no consciousness or recollection of anything. And then to come back from that, you do feel a little bit more experienced in what's going to happen to everyone. Hmm. I, um, have you ever had surgery? No, not a certain, no, I've never had a surgery that I've been knocked out for. So I've had two and my first one was my wisdom teeth. Mm -hmm. And my second one was knee surgery. My knee surgery I just felt like I fell asleep and woke back up. And I woke up, up groggy and couldn't walk. My wisdom teeth, though, that I had when I was, I think, like a senior in high school, maybe, was the darkest dark I've ever experienced. It was just like everything went black, like darker than any sleep. Like it wasn't sleep. It was just blackness and then immediately awake and I was like okay when are we gonna get started and they're like oh we're done and I'm like okay like (laughs) when are we gonna get started and they were like no we did it and I was like what am I like a magician what are you talking about no I was also apparently you know really high but so I I have I I don't know, was that, like, what your experience was like in terms of the, like, nothingness? Or was there, is there just nothing there? It's, okay, I remember, like, the first few moments of, like, it nothingness, and then I feel like I couldn't comprehend it. It was, like, I had three seconds where I realized that things were getting serious, and I had, like, lost control, and then it all faded into this, like, sparkling black, and it was, like, so 
profound. Like, it's really weird that you kind of, like, visually described it as the blackest black, because that was very similar to how I felt. It was, like, I was seeing it, and it was, like, so overwhelmingly dark that there... Yeah. It becomes, like, something else. It's really crazy. But you can't form an opinion about it or, like, perceive it. You just, like, witness it and are it at the same time. Yeah. Very strange. But I think... Yeah. But I think... Well, and I'm so... I'm curious. Is this something that you had felt like that immediately or just kind of, like, have started reflecting back on because you were obviously in pain and in concussion and... I was really bewildered when it happened, and so I and I had to like do a lot of like bureaucratic things. Like I had to go to the ER in Japan, like get a CAT scan, and like talk to doctors in Japanese. And then basically oh. immediately after that, I had to give my victim statement to the cops for yeah. hours. And did they press charges, or did you did like did he get what happened? They ended up finding him very recently. Mm. Oh. About m- three months later. And what happened? Like, did he go to jail? I have... I stopped asking. They told me that they mm-hmm. got him and I just didn't want to hear anymore because I was... They got him. Yeah. They got him. I was, like... Like, I wasn't too broken up about the whole thing, to be honest, but I really don't like seeing pictures of him or, like, yeah. any of that. And so when they were doing my victim statement and I had to, like, sign the photo um, Ugh, that yeah. consented <gasps> to, like, him being the person that I acknowledged as my assailant... I had to, like, look at this, like, drunk picture of him with, like, his tongue out and, like, crossed eyes. It was a really hyper close-up. And that was a little nightmarish, and I still encounter that face in my dreams sometimes. But, so, I think, I was like, oh, I don't, like, really want to, like, I don't want to draw this out. I didn't have to pay that much money to, like, get my CAT scan. I don't want to think about it. I don't, I don't want justice. I just don't want it to be over. Yeah, definitely. Because all sorts of bad things have happened to me, um, but it's, like... I don't know, there was, like, something really weird about that because everything else bad that's ever happened to me, I was, like, conscious for the whole time. (laughs) So that was a big part of um, year 26 for me was uh, coming into contact with the void. (laughs) With the void. And it makes me think that there probably isn't anything after you die, pretty convincingly. Did Did you think there was? Maybe were you holding on to some hope before that moment? I don't know. I was, like, raised kind of lightly religious. Um, and, my, like, you know, I, I believe in a fundamental, like, power of goodness that exists in the universe. But So I imagine that there would be, like, something pleasant when you die, and that might still be true. But I think um, it feels like you're going to sleep, and that's, like, a pleasant sensation, and then that's it. Uh, and then your mm. body and your biological matter gets reworked into the Earth and the rest of the universe over however many years until it all snaps back and we start over and I don't have any fear or horror about that, but I don't really believe in an afterlife necessarily. Right. Okay. Do you? No. 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 That's a question I like to ask people I'm dating. What happens when you die? You go bye-bye. See you. <laughs> Matane. <laughs> Thank such you. A, like, it is really such a weird thing to think about. But my birthday like, always makes me think about death. Mm-hmm. I've been oh, thinking a yeah. lot about it recently. I need to, I'm not like scared or like paranoid or concerned, but death is very present in my uh, worldview for some reason. 
All of my cats have died. Mm. I lost all of my... It was kind of like back-to-back. We had a bunch of cats from around the same time. And all but one has moved over the Rainbow Bridge. And over it's kind Rainbow of, you know, it's like... Bridge. Yeah, it's like all of my childhood kitties. You know what's scary? Is that that happens to everyone you know in the world, too. Like, it's going to happen to your family and your friends, and you have to survive as, like, people are dying around you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think know. about my family's age a lot, and I'm like, oh yeah. my god, like, my whole life is, like, situated on the other end of the world. Like, when mm-hmm. they start dropping out of existence, that's going to be really... This is what I'm talking about. I always get so fucking yeah. morbid on my birthday. <laughs> wah, wah. I showed a bunch Should of Japanese girls it? the Price is Right losing theme that goes dun-dun-dun-dun. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and how did they react? They thought it was very funny. So, but what should we talk about? What did you say? I was gonna say, I don't know. There's happiness. Oh yeah, I mean, there's lots of great stuff. <laughs> there's good things out there. <laughs> I had a, I mean, I had fun. I had, I had some. There were some moments when I was having fun, you know, outside of getting assaulted and broken up with and blah blah blah. There was stuff that was like. <sighs> fun why is it that the negative things stand out more i mean that's a very important philosophical question isn't it why do you think um i think i'm trying to think of something like evolutionarily like maybe the negative experiences in our life we are supposed to learn from like they're negative for a reason right like Mm -hmm. we are afraid of something or we're supposed to be you know afraid of tigers and having that adrenaline maybe that helps i don't know now i'm making things up probably doesn't help for memories but because now that i say that i actually remember my therapist telling me at one point you do not form memories as well oh wait maybe that's on it you can't no i don't remember huh maybe i was in a too had too much adrenaline when she told me this i feel like it was something like when you are in a conscious like a constantly anxious state or you know hyped up on adrenaline like you your body is not forming, your brain is not forming short, yeah, short-term memories. Uh-huh. It, like, because it is, you know, it's busy doing other things. And so there are certain, you know, pathways that are diverted. Instead, we're going to focus all of our neurons on remembering our reflexes, on remembering, you know, the things that we, maybe it's not remembering. Whoa. But I mean, I kind of fall, I fall, I pick up with what you're putting down. Like, it's like, I was, because I was thinking about this kind of biologically as well about, okay, so the question is why are negative things so much more impactful? And I think there's like a very interesting, like kind of Buddhist thought about this, which is that life is nothing but desire because evolutionary human beings have to experience 
desire in order to motivate themselves to not Mm. self-destruct. Like, you need to feel the sensations of hunger and the desire to reproduce and the need for social contact, like, biologically to continue the human species. Like, that's, like, baked into our Mm -hmm. evolutionary core. But because we have language and society, those are structured innately on our biological needs. But the looking glass of language starts refracting things in an unusual way. And so now we have these um, bizarre and gradually more and more divorced ideas of what we desire than anything that possibly exists. Like, if you start getting, like, cravings for a McFlurry or something, that's, like, not something that you biologically desire. But social communication has warped all of those things that are critical to the continuation of our species like into increasingly strange environments so i think that's why it's quite painful i think we live based off our suffering and the lack of our met desires and and language and culture doesn't help to alleviate that and i think that goes to like so like that's all the you know issues with social media is that that's what's profitable pain Mm. anger violence right that's what grabs our attention well because it's biologically stressful to be put into a situation of pain or suffering or desire and so when you are inflicted with that kind of output you immediately psychologically like go into like fight or flight and like i have to resolve this desire immediately or i might die so it's kind of creepy that social media like uses those instincts to like sell whatever it is that they're pushing and like just kind of use your psychology in that way it's very pessimistic and cynical yeah it is it really fucking sucks. it's the barbie movie it's the bar it's barbenheimer barbenheimer is about our critical desires and our lack of meeting them and its response on social media reflects that Have you seen either movie? Neither are out in this country. (laughs) Barbie comes out on August 18th. I'll probably go see it just to say I did. 18th, yeah. Okay, do you... um, I'm curious about the... um, Did Japan have any thoughts about the the Barbie world map? What is that? It's like the, have you heard? I think it's called like the nine dash line. No. Nine dash line. Okay. What is this? Anyway. Well, it's so China has, China has its own map that it's made up and it has all of this land and area that it's like, this is ours. And it's like, no, it's not China, but they do it <laughs> anyway because they're like, actually, yeah, this. And Apparently, it looks like on this, like, Barbie, on the world map in the movie, it looks like they use the Chinese map. (laughs) Is that so? (laughs) I mean, I I can totally buy it. Yeah, I forget which country. I think it was maybe Vietnam. Some some country was like, we're not going to show this movie or we're going to censor that out because that's absolutely incorrect blah 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 
not to sound paranoid, but do you know how, like, how in debt Hollywood is to Chinese media outlets? It's really crazy. Like, okay, do you know that movie, the movie that's coming out next month, The Meg, are you familiar? The Meg 2 is coming. The The movie's literally, it's literally a Chinese commercial. I saw it in Japan my first year I was here on a really bad date. The Meg. And it literally, like, maybe 10% of the movie is Chinese. They, they cast Chinese stars. It's, like, an American-Chinese blockbuster partnership to, like, milk each territory for vapid cash. And that's uh, spooky and cynical, too. But I don't want to sound so nihilistic. So I've been, like, trying to um, talk about, like, my reason to live, why I'm fighting to be here, you know, yes. how the material real world is miserable. China. But life is beautiful, nonetheless. And I, so I don't want to be, like, too, like, everything is horrible. But sometimes it does feel that way. I feel I like your every- job must really expose you to some deep human evils. Oh. Some of the worst of the worst, yeah. How do you feel about working with that? Um... I am surprisingly good at compartmentalizing. Like, I don't... There are certain cases that I bring home with me that I don't want to. Things that I will have, like... um, What are they called? Like, images in my head that I can't make go away. That I do not Uh want to be there. Um... But that's only in, like, the most severe cases. And I don't have, you know, so that maybe happens, like, I think that's happened, like, maybe three or four times ever. Um, but it's really complicated, too, because when it comes to child abuse and neglect, it's all, it would be easier almost, I think, if I were, like, a prosecutor or someone who, you know, was like, I'm just going after the bad guy, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not what I'm doing. I, as, so, for our audience, um, I work with child welfare. And so, like, the number one thing that we try to do is child welfare is when we get involved our first thing is trying to reunify the family. Mm. So it's a lot more complicated than just putting the bad guy away. Um, A lot of times the bad guy goes away, but then we're there to try and help keep the rest of the family together. In the most severe cases, we, you know, worked toward eventually terminating the parents' rights. Um, But that takes a long time. It is multiple years before we ever get to what's called a TPR, Termination of Parental Rights. So so it's a very long-term, like, it's long-term. And, like, you're assigned these cases. And I've had cases that I've had for almost a year now. Like, and I know these families um and i see them every couple months to check in and see you know go to court and see where things are at how they're doing what they need um and so there's some really high highs when you see like i have currently a mom who is on her 
She has 11 children, and she has not raised the first 10 um, at all. But she has turned things around, and she's raising number 11. She's given birth 11 times? Yes. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, I cannot imagine that. That I cannot imagine. Oh, my God. 11 times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Must be a sturdy woman. (laughs) And she's not old. Wow. Yeah. She's in her 30s. <laughs> I'm speechless. <laughs> That's just... Okay, well, I, that is certainly an answer of how you cope with that. My God. But it's like, I don't know. I'm impressed with you that you can kind of like keep your sanity because I feel like you actually seem more put together than the last time we talked for this. <laughs> well, the last time we talked, I was about to. Had I just Find out taken it You had just taken it like two taken days it. before. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was just, I had, I was a wreck. Just with, I mean, that was, I, you put yourself through the fucking ringer in order to mm-hmm. take the bar. Um, I mean, and it's literally the culmination, the test of what I had spent the last, you know, seven years. Technically nine, if you count my two gap years. Like, working toward. So that's, that's painful. But, um, but yeah, I passed, so that's. That's good. We're good. No, I mean, I'm just impressed because it's like when I think about the stuff that hurts me and um, makes life tight and uncomfortable, it's uh, nothing like the stuff I'm like exposed to and like the nature of which I earn my right to live here and um, make my money and yeah. all of the things that uh, depress me about my job and it's like lack of creative. Uh, outlet or whatever it's like all very different from like the actual like sort of physical horror i imagine you might experience from time to time Mm. i think so i mean i mean i was talking about this with a friend tonight because she was like she makes a lot of money she works at a great company and she was really like hurt and upset about her uh emotional issues and stuff and it's just like that's another thing about being a person who suffers and experiences desire is that no matter how good things are for you, there's always something else you desire. And no matter where you are in the world, you can hurt. Yep. Yep. And that's kind of what I was having kind of like an existential moment before we started talking today. Cause I do, we were going to talk about boys. We always do. We always do. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was thinking about, you know, kind of the idea of, like, that feels like my last big box that I haven't checked, um, is having someone and starting a family. Okay, scary Um, question. Do you think that that's going to check the box for you? Do you think when you do it, you're going to feel satisfied? Probably not, no. Because I had to come to that kind of conclusion about myself. It's like, even if I get exactly what I want in my romantic endeavors, like, at the end of it, there's still going to be more desire and suffering. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's kind of like, okay, well, let me just pet my dog and be happy. Not happy, but be... here now. You know? 
mm-hmm. instead of because I think a lot part of desire I think is obviously right it's thinking ahead or wanting wanting something that's you know maybe in front of you that you can't have but what if I look at my cute little dog because right in front of me now and just give him a pat on the head and that makes me happy and why don't yeah. I think about that for a little bit having a living creature count on you and um, literal creature comforts I mean that's kind of how you just have to build the I fortress that uh, yeah, doesn't collapse around you I would not I get out of bed I need a fucking cat if I had a cat I would never whine cat. again I can't get in this fucking apartment. (sighs) But, like, what if you did? Um, okay, I actually researched this, and it's, like, if you, like, soundproof your house and, like, really, like, check it out, you can probably, like, get away with it. But the thing is, is that they can always, like, put a 12-hour we're coming into your house thing. Yeah. And if you do that and the cat's there, you're in big shit. And, yeah, and then, you know what they can do to your cat? They can just, like, give it away. So, they just, like, what? seize your cat. So, they they wouldn't do that. They they just, like, you had to get out of our apartment and get rid of the cat, like, now. So, but then it's, like, I don't want to, like, They would come be... back and steal your cat? I, honestly, I'm kind of a rule follower. Like, mm. I don't really, like... Really? I don't like breaking... I, break, I like to break social and, like, cultural and conventional rules, but I don't like breaking, like, rules that will, like, get me fired or kicked <laughs> out of my house or deported or arrested. I don't like I don't like being illegal. I like being a good citizen for the most part. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I guess that's something that doesn't loom over my head in terms of my like consequences being literally deported. If I got deported, my life would um, implode. Like, would you go would... live in sisters? I mean, that's I'd have to land on my feet somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Probably had to be sisters, so um, please don't deport me. It would not yeah. go well. If I get <laughs> deported, I'm gonna literally become like Hitler, like low key. Like I'm gonna be, I'm gonna have like his layer of like scorn and anger. Okay, you know what I think about a lot. What is that? Could be good for you. Well, not being Hitler. To be but Hitler, <laughs> arrested. But listen, wait, listen, listen, listen. Because most people, including Hitler, wrote their best works in prison. Uh, I read Mein Kampf. It's his best work. We talked about it on the show this year. It's a dog show. It's horrible. It oh, is, really? Yeah, it's... Well, it's, I okay. Mean, okay it, the other thing was that it wasn't it's even motivational for Germans. Acclaimed. Oh. No, it didn't even work for the German people he was trying to brainwash. It was like a shameful so object a... that they had to like... Yeah, the Mein so Kampf is like why do we talk like about Mein Kampf like it's a thing? Well, because no God, one has we... ever read it. Like five that's people true. in the world have ever read it. Like they don't yeah, teach it. True. If everyone read Mein Kampf, they would, like, realize that, like, it's a crock of shit, and it would, like, help them realize that Nazism and fascism is not cool because it's <laughs> boring, and which is a much more convincing <laughs> argument than it's, like, than it's dangerous. Because yeah. yeah. we do dangerous stuff all the time, but if you teach people that Nazism and anti-Semitism is a snooze, then no one will want to do it. Ooh, so I love everyone should it. have I to read Mein Kampf. Okay, I'll read it. But, MLK, he wrote something good. Letter from, what, Montgomery Jail? Selma? No, it was a jail. Um, Nelson Mandela, I believe, wrote a little something in jail. 
I mean, so I just told good. you earlier about Oscar Wilde Oscar. and um, Wild. yeah, De Profundis. Exactly. We talked about that on the Patreon, yeah. Which is why I'm nervous about Donald Trump potentially going to jail. Because what if he writes a masterpiece? I mean, I think he probably has already written several. I want to read The Art of the Deal. I've never read it. But he didn't write any of those. I don't know. He's creatively present. I, I believe his overall force might engender the tome. But right, I, okay. um, I'm but sad. But he yeah. Because I like him more than DeSant- DeSantos. What's his name? DeSantis. It's Meatballs. DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. What, what's Meatballs. Uh, he calls him, you know how Donald Trump has, like, nicknames for people? Oh, okay, he Donald calls Trump calls him, him Meatballs? That's pretty funny. No, he called him something, oh, I forget what it was. It was something meatball-related, and they were like, that's really r- racist against Italians. It's like, whoa, we're back to, okay. And then he also calls him Pudding Fingers, because apparently he one time <laughs> ate pudding with his fingers. See, this is why I want another Trump campaign, because putting fingers. Honestly, That's so, so funny. I mean, Donald Trump was... Someone was telling me this the other day, and I definitely agree, that he was just not, objectively probably one of the funniest presidents that we'll ever have. No, he is He is the I've most had. charismatic, interesting president we will ever have, ever. I don't know if you recall, but when there was a, uh, a hurricane coming <laughs> toward the southeast of the United States... Um, it wasn't going to hit Alabama, but he was like, it's going to hit Alabama. And the weather service was like, no, it's not. It's not. It's really, it's not. You don't need to evacuate like Alabama, like you're fine. And then he went on TV with the map that the weather people gave him, Noah probably. Um, and it's this map and it shows the trajectory of the hurricane, right? And he takes a Sharpie, and he, like, also circles Alabama. I love that. And just, like, draws more, like, a, a new path for the hurricane in a Sharpie on TV. Like... Good for him. I love it. Inc- I love incredible. it. Incredible. That's, I mean, that's so fierce. I love it. Like, that's that's real... Okay, because, like, okay, what is Obama doing now? Is, like, posting those, like, tragic, oh. like playlists and stuff and I'm like but where's your sharpie to they draw on the fake hurricane exactly I actually watched an interview with I forget who it was it was like a comedian and he essentially told him like the comedian was like cut it with the you know like sound bites that things are going to be okay because they're not and it kind of just sounds like you're you know, gaslighting us. And Obama was like, whoa. And then he said some things that were a little more serious, but I think, I don't know, like the whole message of like, like hope for the world. Like, I don't want to talk about hope. I want to talk about fighting the Nazis, the Nazis, because that's what brought the world together. True enough. Um, and the, <laughs> and the desecration of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Hooray. And war. The yeah, oh my gosh. and oh the my Japanese. Oh my gosh, are they even going to show Oppenheimer in Japan? Yeah, they absolutely are. Japanese people are very not sensitive about it. Like, I mean... Wow. If you, okay, there if you, like, go around and are, like, there is, like, this, um... <sighs> pff, 
there was this like Nigerian tourist who was like running around trains in Japan, like screaming, like we're gonna do Nagasaki again, we're gonna do Hiroshima again, and it was like, yeah, people are gonna get yeah. mad about that because that's like cruel. If you like went on a train in nine eleven, like imagine like a Japanese guy going on a fucking New York subway and being like, we're gonna do nine eleven to you again. I'm like, that's not. What do you, I guess the more correct analogy would be like some Muslim guy or something, right? Like that would not play well. So of course people get mad about that, but like they showed like fucking Pearl Harbor, that movie like three weeks after it came out in America. They are very willing to like talk about it. And uh, Twin Peaks that has a, a very extended uh, comment and um, depiction of uh, the nuclear test experiments was a big hit here. So people want to yeah. talk about it and think about it because it's a critical part of the country. They're not really afraid to shy away from it. That's wild. See, in America, well, but I don't know if terrible things have happened. No, you're right. Never forget. Oh, my God. We talk about 9-11 every day. I think 9-11 was crazy. Like, low-key, that was banana bunches. That was banana bunches. It was only 3,000 people or something like that. Not a ton of people, but, like, the imagery of it was beyond shocking. But I think that's also also how how I feel about um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki is... The also, image is also shocking. Images <laughs> of like the shadows of people who were just dissolved, blasted away, just disintegrated. Yeah, I actually can't think about the atom bombs for too long, or I get upset and I start crying. I'm very mm-hmm. afraid of that. I think about um, there's this wonderful drag queen. Her name is Miwa Akihiro, and she survived the atomic bombing in Nagasaki, and she is still alive. Uh, she's a drag queen. She has big, blonde, bleached hair. She still performs. Uh, yeah. She's in a bunch of wonderful movies. And um, she did an interview on TV, uh, I think, like, in the maybe the 80s or the 90s, about uh, what it was like to be a little boy when um, the bomb went off in Nagasaki. And she described an old woman begging for water. And you can't give people exposed to radiation water or they'll die. And um, he ultimately ended up giving her water to, like, soothe her pain and help her rest. And um, the story of him recounting it is very scary. It's very hard to process the human capacity for that kind of action. But that's the thing when it comes to dropping a bomb. You don't have to experience, like, as the bomb dropper, you don't have to deal with any of the aftermath. No. So, I don't know, man. No, I don't know either. I mean, the social world, the political world, it's all quite a mess. But here we are. We're still here. We haven't been crushed quite yet. Um, I I wanted to ask you, before we get quite to the end, do you think your relationship with aging has changed over the last year? Like, do you feel different? Because I listened a little bit back to, like, a a few of these. And I think my perspective has changed a lot. I feel positive about getting older and time passing uh, despite a lot of the exterior circumstances I've um, bemoaned thus far, but how has your relationship changed? Oh, yeah. I can't wait to be 30. 30, Same. flirty, and thriving. Thriving. 30, 30, 30, 13 going on 30? Yeah. Like, it's just, I feel like 30, I, I feel like I'm not taken, and I don't, I mean, this is probably just a projection, but I feel like I am not taken as seriously as someone in their 20s. Yeah. As if I'm 30. Like, I feel like, for, and I'm probably going to say this every year for the rest of my life, like, well, then I'll be in my 30s. I'm like, well, when you're 40, that's actually, uh-huh. you know. 
But I do think there is something about being out of your 20s that, I mean, 20, your 20s are the, you know, some real shit show years. So you do so much growing up and changing and figuring out who the hell you are. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to just, like, kind of be out of this decade and into mm-hmm. one where hopefully throughout that decade I will feel confident in who I am and what I'm doing and maybe someone will marry me. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully so. Well, I want to ask you one more thing before we leave because I I feel very similar to you. I'm excited about getting older. I want to be taken more seriously. I want my life to settle down and kind of become a little bit more traditional. I want to stop squeezing everything for extremity all the time and like make more peace with a wholesome, less eventful life. A little bit. I mean, of course, I still want my radicalism, <laughs> but, um, you know, I would like a little bit more calmness, too. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about, you know, the reason to live, and I wanted to ask you, Natalie, did you take anything from year 27, which I'm about to walk into, as a reason to fight to survive? I think... In- even though it was brief and it did not end up well, I had a short but incredible little love interest. And I think what I took away from that was even though we hate him now, not really, <laughs> come back, anyway, um, <laughs> is that it kind of like, you know, it's that those people exist. That there are people out there who, I don't want to say can make you happy, because that sounds bad, right? You shouldn't be no. wanting your happiness from someone. But there are, like, the people of your dreams, of your relationship dreams, of your friendship dreams, like, they exist. And just cherish them while you have them. There is that um, Sartre, or I don't know how you pronounce his name, the French philosopher, but he says, uh, hell is other people. And I think he's exactly wrong. I feel like you're right that um, by leaning into uh, those extraordinary emotions that you get to feel maybe just once, um, like the Titanic lyric, just once in a lifetime, you know, that can kind of carry you and like give you a reason to continue pushing forward. That's really beautiful, Natalie. Thank you. Well, I'm very happy that we got to continue this tradition, as we will for the rest of time, because the show is for the never rest ending. Of time. Yeah, I love you so and much. Then, oh, I you're, love you. You're such a. I mean, even you know, despite how much or how little we keep in contact, you know, you're always in my heart forever, and this is such a cherished tradition Thanks. to me. I'm not. It's not my birthday until we do this every year. True. Right. You just literally do not age unless we have this podcast. Well, I have to tell you, happy birthday. Tanjobi, omedetou gozaimasu. Happy birthday. How do you say happy birthday in Japanese? That's very long. Well, that's how you say it politely. If you want to be more uh, casual, you can just say, Tanjobi, omedetou. Oh, yeah, I prefer that. <laughs> well, on that note, those who don't fight won't survive. Here we go. To support the continuation of your favorite online experimental art audio project, 
please pledge $5 to I'm So Popular on patreon.com slash I'm So Popular for bonus episodes of the show, the essential untucked continuation sirens, as well as access to the Discord and Chi Chi's book club. Ja, mata ne. Oh, 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 oh,